1: This charrette was a shit show. It was a hot ass mess. (laughs) Even though it took forever to record. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to say it. You can cut it out, John.
0: Hello, hello, hello,
2: everyone. And welcome to another mini-sode called She Builds Charrettes. In these charrettes, we talk more about certain topics, make major announcements, conduct interviews. Basically, She Builds Charrettes is our playground for things outside our typical format.
1: Right. So no need to worry. We are still doing our regular show. So the purpose
0: of this charrette is actually a precursor to our upcoming season, which airs next week. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Woo! Season five! We wanted to have a conversation about the theme of season five, which is partnerships or power couples, before we dive into the individual ladies.
2: Yes! A listener of the show, Kate Regeff, wrote a chapter in the Rootledge Companion to Women in Architecture book. How cool is that? Yeah. So cool. I started saving up for this book, lady, so oh. hopefully i will going to buy it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Budgeted.
2: I mean, it sounds like a good one, but I digress. Kate wrote a chapter about husband-wife partnerships that she was super kind enough to share with us. And it brought up some interesting topics we wanted to share today.
1: All right, now let's jump in. Let's start with some themes that we found in the chapter that stood out for us. For me, for example, a big one was husbands as male allies. So in the case of this chapter, if it wasn't for women marrying their husbands or starting their own firms, they wouldn't have gotten far in the profession. For today, we have our caryatids, you know, that these women, they are doing their part to move the profession forward, which is great. But could you imagine how much closer we would be to equality in the profession with male allies helping? Yeah, that's so true. It really does help having men who
0: support women moving forward in the profession. And these women were able to more easily do great things because they had a supportive spouse.
2: Yes, I think there's a lot that people, in this case, women, can accomplish on their own. But there's no doubt that it all gets accomplished faster when you have the support, especially the support of people in places of power. And to me, that's why male allies are so important in moving the profession forward. Thank you to all the men that are listening to the show and support our message.
0: Yeah. And I like that we bring up the importance of support because that also speaks to the structure of collaboration and how the structure of architecture firms moved from the solitary one-man show to partnerships at the beginning of the 20th century. And the profession was also becoming more organized with licensure and industry standards as well. Husband-wife teams capitalized on that because it started becoming more normal to have firms with partners. And this also lent itself to a more collaborative firm culture, which we see was happening in husband-wife firms early on and then became normalized in the industry after World War II with larger firms that were set up in a more corporate style where partners had equal standing.
2: Yeah, I like that husband-wife firms didn't invent partnerships and collaborations, but that they were at the forefront of that change. So people sometimes think that it wasn't until later in the game that firms started becoming collaborative. But it's like, no, sir and ma'am. Husband-wife duos have been doing that since
1: 19th century. Bam, that's right. Exactly. Another point that Kate makes is that there was a need for a collaboration because the project types were becoming bigger and more complex. And mm. firms were getting bigger in size. So they needed to divide the work between partners. But what I thought was interesting was in the chapter when she implies that these quote-unquote partnerships in the husband-wife duos, it helped deceive the public's perception. Instead, Louise Bethune and husband, it was Bethune and Bethune, which to the public, you might think it's a father and son firm or brother and brother. Small-minded people couldn't fathom that there could be a woman and man to run a firm.
2: (laughs) That's true. A hundred years ago, it would have been an outrage for a wife to have a career, much less mothers. Insert Phyllis Schlafly sound bites here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It sucks, (laughs) but that was just the social norms of the times they were living. It was Mm. eye opening for me, even though I should not have been surprised to read the story of Mary Gannon, who stopped practicing at her own firm. Gannon and Hans after she had a kid. It just makes what Louise Bethune did of running her firm post-labor that much more impressive to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: I found that super
0: interesting as well, that by partnering with their husbands, they were able to sort of deceive the people, like Jessica was saying. And it might have been seen as more socially acceptable to have a woman architect within a husband-wife duo. But I also think that an upside, so to speak, of women working in a husband-wife partnership was that they had more flexibility to raise their kids or fulfill the societal requirements of a quote-unquote wife at the time. Whereas Mary Gannon, like you said, she had founded the first two-female partner firm with Alice Hands. And I wonder if she had been in a husband-wife partnership, would she have been able to have more flexibility to keep working after having her kids? Maybe
1: it wouldn't have been full time, but she might have been able to do more than she was. You know, this reminds me of what we are seeing today. So we'll take a step back through, you know, my line of work and well, because of where my interests lie, I have heard a lot of stories from women architects, and it's fascinating to see how having children becomes such a pivotal moment in their careers. Around the time that they have kids, that's when they decide to start their own firms or to take on a different role just to accommodate having children. I can also see the shift now because of the pandemic. You know, employees are demanding different things from their employers and employers are having a tough time trying to find candidates because job candidates, specifically women, are still having to be the main caregivers at home. I believe that's why we've also seen a rise of entrepreneurship in the past year and a half or so.
2: Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that at all, Jessica. Good -hmm. point. That makes me wonder what projects are these ladies working on? Probably whatever typologies they have experience working on, which could be a whole myriad of things now, but we know that it wasn't always the case. Like when we told the story of Jane Drew and how all the work she was given was designing kitchens because they thought that's all she would know how to do. Sadly, that was really common, even in the beginning of the 20th century. Mm.
0: Yeah, that was another thing the chapter brought up, that a lot of times women were pushed into doing residential projects, which were thought of as the quote-unquote women's domain. This wasn't true of all the partnerships. We learned in our Louise Bethune episode that she specifically tried to take on non-residential work because of that stereotype with women architects. However, I think as we see in the chapter, some women were still pigeonholed into that type of project, whether they wanted to be or not.
1: Hmm. Interesting point, Lizzie. Actually, Lizzie, as someone that works in residential architecture, how do you see it today?
0: Yeah, I, I always think about this when we talk about this subject, because I went into residential architecture because I just like it more. I like mm-hmm. the scale and the type of work compared to larger projects. And when I think about my office and other residential offices in our area, a lot of them, including mine, are male led, which Mm. I think just goes to show that the profession is male dominated, no matter what the stereotype of women's roles in it are. Mm -hmm. But yeah, our office is now more women than men, but it wasn't always the case. And if anything, I'm more excited about the fact that there are more women working with me. It doesn't make me think like, oh, that must be because we do residential work. But maybe that's also because I just like it and I never thought of it in that way. Hmm. But if that stereotype was so prevalent, as the chapter talks about, it always makes me wonder how men start residential firms and how they felt about that stereotype. Also, I'll admit that in school, it felt to me that residential was maybe thought of as less glamorous, per se. I mean, we study a lot of really famous house projects and that kind of thing, too, but I don't know why. I just thought that in school and nowadays it just doesn't feel like that's what the starchitects are working on. But maybe that's not how other people see it.
1: That's interesting, Lizzie. I never thought of it that way.
2: I agree with a lot of what you said, but I would question if our notion of residential architecture being less glamorous Is something we think because we're in the profession and because most of the famous contemporary projects and architects we know, study and gaga over are not residential. Yet to everyone else outside the profession, I would think residential architecture is what they know and impress them. I mean, when I open up a magazine or scroll through Instagram or see shows on TV, most of them are architectural projects that are houses. I think that's what is more famous or prominent to people outside of our profession.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that perception is more within the architectural community and profession. But to most non-architects, housing and residential architecture is their closest connection to architecture, Mm -hmm. which I think is one of the reasons I always liked it, too. Yeah.
2: So then I would answer your comment about why male architects get into residential design by saying they probably do it for the same reasons like you. Right. But you brought up. Yeah. I think you brought up something very important that there's this perception 100 years ago and probably to this day that residential architecture is a woman's job. Yet most of the field is run by men. So what does that mean? I think it speaks to how it's a male-led profession, no matter what the perception is, like we've already said. And Mm -hmm. like how cooking is seen as a woman's job, yet the majority of well-known chefs are men.
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly. This topic is so fascinating and we can really dive deep into it. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about it offline. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We sure did. And now a word from our sponsors. Yeah, that's right. We got sponsors now. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about Monograph. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operation leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, they're building the only cloud-based practice operation software built exclusively for architects by architects.
0: Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allow you and your teams to know in near real time, whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, and assign roles for team members all in one place. Track a project's financial health with their unique Money Gantt, which takes your team's time and makes it simple to see whether you are on track for financial success and use their firm-wide revenue forecast to make important strategic
1: decisions. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at Monograph.com.
2: To underscore their commitment, on March 8th through March 10th, Monograph will be hosting the follow-up to their amazing virtual conference entitled Section Cut. This three-day event brings together firm owners, operation leaders, and project leaders together to learn from their success stories and workshops how to improve their business. There's even an entire day dedicated to a virtual career fair where employers pitch their firms. You can register today to reserve a seat by visiting SectionCut.com.
1: And now back to the rest of our show. Yep. Okay. so like what happened to the role of the star architect, right, in residential homes? I wonder Mm -hmm. if shows like HGTV or these like mass production home communities, how much has that influenced these things? This is definitely a larger conversation that I know has been going on for years. And as a profession, I know that this notion of what role an architect should have in residential architecture and the public perception of it is something that people are still trying to address. But bringing it back to the chapter of this book, I wanted to point out the anecdote that Kate provided, which was very telling of how society saw women architects. And I'm talking about the story of Margaret King Hunter. In the chapter of this book, they mentioned a Life magazine profile of the architect Margaret King Hunter. She was an architect with her husband in the 1950s based out of New Hampshire. The profile began to describe her as one of the few successful women architects that had designed her own home, right? But there isn't at least one image of her actually designing, like not one or her workspace. The only images that you see of her is of her in the kitchen or cleaning with the vacuum cleaner or burping a baby. But her actual desk you see like maybe a corner or something, but barely. In fact, <laughs> the title of the article, it's called Housewives House. Uh yeah, exactly. So, you know, unfortunately, we won't be telling her story in the next coming season, but for show sure in another. Okay. Mm, just your but- way. Jessie, wait! Pur- 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 <laughs> future episode <laughs> alert, because <laughs> her story needs to be told. That she's just not at home burping her babies and cooking in the kitchen. Please, but, yeah. Uh, fortunately for you listeners, though, this season we aren't going to let those kinds of stories go untold. We have proven that our ladies can be designers and mothers, and they can start firms and families. And I feel like in school and like this article. We were only taught one side of the story, you know, the male perspective, perhaps. But this season, like all of our seasons, we will find out about the women that made an impact to some of your favorite designs.
2: Yes. You want to give them some tidbits?
1: Uh, Ooh. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you've heard of Alvar Alto, but have you heard of Aino Alto or Alyssa Alto? Never. Probably not. Will you will, Mm-mm. you will season five. That's that's what's up. That's what's happening.
2: Well, you know, we've heard a lot about Arrow Saarinen,
1: but have we ever
2: heard of Aline Saarinen? I don't think so.
1: Mm-mm. Exactly. Mm-mm.
0: And you've you've heard tons about Frank Lloyd Wright, I'm sure, over the years. But did you know the woman behind most of his really famous renderings? Mm. Marion Mayenne Griffin?
1: See, there You, you go. might have heard of her, but...
0: But have you really heard of her? Probably not. But no. people probably don't
2: know her story, but yeah, they exactly. might have heard her name, you know? They're about to know more. They're going to
1: know the full story. As they should. That's right. So stay tuned for that coming next week. Yes. Now, the chapter of the book, it is an interesting read. So if you like our show, you'll definitely like this chapter of the book.
0: Yes. So check out our show notes for a link of how to get a hold of Kate's book and the chapter.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, this charrette was short and sweet and a lot of fun. (laughs) I hope that all of y'all out
1: there listening enjoyed it, too. Please let us know what you thought of our little mini episode. We really value your input and feedback. So tell your friends, your spouses, your newspaper magazine, your future star architects or the people at HGTV to give us five stars on iTunes and write us a review. Did you know that She Builds Podcasts is a part of the Gable Media Network? You know, that cool podcast network that has awesome content by some awesome people all related to the AEC industry. Be sure to check out 10 podcast shows that are on Gable Media currently. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. Check it out.
0: Yep, yep. You can email us your thoughts at SheBuildsPodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, SheBuildsPodcast.com. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast. And on Twitter at SheBuildsPod.
2: Remember, next week, Season
1: 5! See you then! Bye! Bye -bye. Or how much has it... Oh. Oh. Okay. Remember how we were hurt. like, yeah, we don't have to look through it.
2: <laughs> yeah, we We good. It.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is weird. Okay.
2: Were we drunk? When we
1: <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take it from the top.
2: I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling
0: people like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm not there yet
1: because it scares the s*** out of me.